You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. to fantasy football today dfs i am your host for this tuesday solo pod where we look back and we recap week five and we take an early look at pricing for week six we're going to look at DraftKings pricing for that uh, again solo pod but we are going to have no now normally the thursday show is going to be me and mike mcclure mcclure will be traveling on thursday so we're going to have a special guest uh you might know him his name is jacob gibbs he does a ton for fantasy football today for Sportsline, among other outlets he is going to be the Mike McClure on Thursday. So I'm actually really looking forward to that. Mike, um, Jacob was on our off-season series, and he was really, really good breaking down the rookie. So I'm really excited to have him on the show. Uh, shout out to Stanner0007 for taking down the FFT DFS contest. As usual, that contest is live as we speak. It'll be attached to this YouTube channel, to this, this YouTube show, but it'll also be in the podcast for those of you that are listening that fills up typically by Friday afternoon. It's only 200 spots, and fortunately for all of us, it fills up pretty quick. So make sure that if you're listening to my voice right now, go ahead and um, register for that tournament. It's only five bucks. And while you're at it, if you're watching us right now, go ahead and hit the like button. And if you haven't reviewed this podcast, please do. This is a really good time to review us, frankly, because if you listened to us last week uh, in particular, you probably had a pretty good week. And if you didn't, that's okay. That means maybe you just didn't have the right pieces sort of put together. But we were on a lot of the successful plays last week. Um, As we're about to see in a second, I had a lineup that absolutely smashed. Um, But there was just one problem with that lineup that absolutely smashed. And we'll get to that in just a second. Actually, let's just go ahead and get to it now. Um, this is going to be a quick hitter. We're going to go through my cash lineups, my GP, my, my one of my GPPs, one of Mike's one of uh, cash in GPPs, and then we're going to go to our FFT DFS contest winner, Stanner Triple O Seven. We're going to check out his or her lineup, and then we'll go to our early looks. So let's pull up the Zach, if you would. Let's pull up my cash lineup now. When you all see this score, I think it's going to be pretty eye popping. Uh, it certainly was for me, and I got to be honest. Uh, I'm not super psyched about it because the last thing I want is for a lineup like this to be a cash lineup. This in a tournament would have either won or nearly taken down every single tournament I entered. And for the record, that would have been like, I don't know, seven or eight different tournaments I ended up entering. Mostly those are those are single entry, a couple three maxes. So I had Jalen Hurts as my quarterback. Again, this is my cash game lineup. Austin Eckler at running back, Ramondre Stevenson at the other running back, Tyler Lockett, Chris Olave, Khalil Shakir, who we talked about a lot, not just on Thursday, but on Tuesday as well. Dallas Goddard, 
in the flex, I had Leonard Fournette, so he served as my third running back. And then the Cowboys defense at a paltry 2,500. Uh, they scored 23 points there. So literally fire emojis for everybody. The only reason that Chris Olave doesn't have a fire emoji is because he got injured while scoring a touchdown. Otherwise, he would have probably had at least five to ten more points. I had uh, Dallas Goddard didn't get the fire emojis, but certainly had a great game, kind of a, a perfect cash play, eight receptions, 95 yards. Not much to say about this. I mean, again, one thing that we've been stressing over the last couple of weeks is that these tournament lineups, now this is a cash lineup, but the tournament lineups that have been successful haven't necessarily been highly correlated. And one thing we've tried to stress during the Thursday game-by-game preview is, you know, don't force a run back. There are certain, like, axioms that that everybody at least old school people were like okay if you do this you got to do this well that's not necessarily the case this year and you'll see this lineup had Jalen Hurts to Dallas Goddard but I didn't force a Marquise Brown run back I didn't force a Rondale Moore or James Conner run back or or Zach Ertz not that that would have been a bad play necessarily but I'm just pointing out that this very cash lineup if it was in tournaments it would have netted you thousands and thousands of dollars, even in some of the lower stakes tournaments. So I, I just want to impress upon people that when we say don't force a run back, we mean it. it it's, you know, the, the conventional rules are are in play to a degree, but they can be massaged and they can be sort of manipulated week to week. Uh, here, there, there's not a ton of correlation. I have the skinny stack of Lockett and Olave. Um, I have Eckler, which ended up being contrarian for cash. Uh, for reasons I simply can't understand, given what we anticipate Eckler's workload to be, particularly in the passing game. Ramondre Stevenson, that was a great value at 5,500. Fournette, not a guy I like to play in tournaments much, but certainly a, a cash game stalwart. And then Khalil Shakir, we talked about. This is just a there's no secret to this lineup, frankly. I mean, Eckler w- was a little bit contrarian, but the rest of these guys are pretty, uh, pretty standard. Uh, the aside from Eckler, the only guy under 15% would be Khalil Shakir and Dallas Goddard. So I don't think there's much to say here. Take the layups when you have the layups. Take the easy plays when you have the plays. Yes, I wish I had this in tournament, but I'm certainly I'm certainly happy that I had this in my cash game lineup too. I mean, I just I just wish I had put it in a tournament. So enough en- enough about this one. Obviously, if you're in the chat and you have questions about this lineup, uh, feel free. I mean, if you're wondering about the Eckler play and you know, just the idea that 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 he was only four point six percent owned. I, I, that's not a problem. Like I, I'm happy to follow the crowd for for plays that are popular in cash that I really believe in. But if I believe in a play in cash or a correlation or a stack that other people aren't on, that's fine. Like I I I don't need to follow the crowd in cash games just because that's what they're doing. Happy to fade certain cash plays. So um, that's it for that one. So let's go to Mike's cash lineup. And Robert, uh, hello in the chat. Uh, Straylo90, some familiar faces in here. So I uh, appreciate you all uh, being in here. Hit the like button if you can. And if you haven't already reviewed this podcast, please do. I hope your lineups went well this week. So here's Mike's cash game lineup. Uh, we start with Teddy Bridgewater, who, you know, zero points. Not really anybody's fault there. You know, Teddy Bridgewater had an elbow and a head injury on, I think, his first pass attempt of the game. And here we are. Uh, interestingly enough, though, this lineup cashed with a zero in it. Uh, and of course, Tyreek Hill has some snowflakes there, too. The reason it cashed is because in spite of the, the Teddy Bridgewater to Tyreek Hill stack there, he had Jeff Wilson, who we talked about was tremendous value. Him and Ramondre Stevenson were both 5,500, both tremendous values. Uh, Alvin Kamara, 
who got there, got the fire emoji, 27 points, mostly through his passing work. He missed out on all the touchdowns because Taysom Hill decided to take all of them for himself. Tyler Lockett, that was a play that Mike in particular was all over. And, you know, I'm fortunate that I'm part of this show. And I, and I think people who are listening are fortunate to be listening to it because I wasn't on Lockett originally. Um, you saw on my cheat sheet, my contrarian play was DK Metcalf which of course, that was a great play that ended up being great. But I ended up having Lockett in a lot of my lineups, whether it be cash or GPP, just because he was such a discount off DK Metcalf. Now I also played DK, but my point is I wouldn't have been on as much Lockett admittedly if it wasn't for Mike pushing uh, that specific play. Uh, Khalil Shakir, here we are. You know, we, you know, I had Shakir and uh, Kate Otten in almost all my lineups, by the way. He wasn't in the cash game lineup I just showed you, but I believe he's in the tournament lineup I'm about to show you. I just thought it was tremendous value for both of those guys. It allowed me to do pretty much whatever I wanted. Dallas Goddard were similar there and Marquise Brown. So no, no real court. Like he didn't have any Eagles. He just had Marquise Brown there and 49ers defense. So again, this is a really good example of how a cash game can be successful when your quarterback gets injured on the first play. And when that actually affects your receiver too, that didn't just affect his quarterback position. It affected Tyreek Hill, obviously. So I, I think it's, a, you know, it's, it's even better evidence that you should be engaging in cash games. If you want to know the truth that like that there are very few opportunities in, in a tournament where you can cash and one of your players gets injured on the first play. It just basically doesn't happen. You're talking about the top 20% of the field that's really making the money, maybe top 22%, 23%. Here, he's still cashed with Teddy Bridgewater with a zero and Tyreek Hill with a zero. And I think that's a testament to how good this cash lineup was. You saw how good my cash lineup was. It's it's one of the best cash lineups I think I've ever had. I mean, I fit, I literally finished second out of 2,300 in that cash tournament. I would have finished top three in almost every tournament I, I, I was in. And again, I, I think one thing that I hope the listeners of this show are impressing upon themselves is, all right, I got to play some more cash. I got to maintain my bankroll, play some more cash. I'm not just going to play tournaments or I'm not just going to play one cash game for, for 10 bucks or five bucks. I'm going to make sure that 40 or 50% of my bankroll is dedicated to these cash games because that's how you're going to consistently see the green. And then you're going to have those spike weeks with the tournament, but it's just not going to be consistent. Not even the best guys are consistent with their tournament uh, spike weeks. It's just not a thing. That's why we call them uh, spike weeks. All right. So this is uh, a really good lineup. It's super impressive that it cashed with, with the Teddy Bridgewater and Tyree kill on in it. So let's go to my GPP lineup and then we'll go to Mike's. Then we'll go to the FFT DFS winner. And then we're going to take what I'm really excited about is a, a very quick early look at some of the some of the stacks and some of the games uh, that I'm going to be in players, obviously, that I'm going to be interested in. So my GPP lineup scored 180.06 points. So this wasn't my only tournament lineup, obviously. You know, I had plenty of tournament lineups, but I wanted to bring this one. It wasn't even my highest scoring one for the record, but I wanted to bring this one up because it was so similar to the lineup you just saw on cash. And I, I think it's important to note that your tournament lineup doesn't have to be vastly different from your cash game lineup, especially nowadays when, when chalk is kind of getting there, even in tournaments. So the one thing I did here, what was important to me, and it ended up being to my detriment, clearly, as you see AJ Brown with only six points, those of you watching on YouTube, you can see this. And, and those of you listening, I'll tell you what the lineup is in a second, but it's virtually the same lineup that I had in cash, but I really wanted to make sure I forced AJ Brown into the stack as opposed to Dallas Goddard, which is what I had in the cash game lineup. So in this, in this one, I paid up for AJ Brown. 
I paid down for Kate Otten at tight end and everything else is pretty much the same except what I have in the flex position. So let me just go ahead and say the lineup. I've got Jalen Hurts at quarterback. I've got Austin Eckler again, Alvin Kamara, AJ Brown, who I just mentioned, Chris Olave again, Khalil Shakir again. So there's no locket in this lineup. I've got Cade Otten, Kareem Hunt at flex and Cowboys defense. I think it's fair to say the Kareem Hunt play by me was probably a mistake. I had Nick Chubb in plenty of lineups. We talked about him both on Tuesday and Thursday. Absolutely loved him. I just like the idea of Kareem Hunt in, in a contrarian move here, particularly because, because I forced in A.J. Brown, I could not afford Nick Chubb. So I either, the, the right play would have been to not stick to A.J. Brown, to come off A.J. Brown and, and play Devontae Smith. And then I would have been able to pay up for Nick Chubb instead of Kareem Hunt. And oh, by the way, I would have had a takedown in this tournament, period. I mean, it just, it, it would have been that good as a result of just, those those little switches, just sticking with Nick Chubb instead of Kareem Hunt and uh, getting off A.J. Brown and getting on to Devontae Smith or, you know, obviously Tyler Lockett. I wouldn't necessarily have to correlate uh, Jalen Hurts in this one. So, you know, Kareem Hunt, this is the thing about this. His prop, and it's something I look at, I give out props on the early edge as well on Fridays at four with prop stars and Dave um, Richard, of course, from Fantasy Football Today and Jonathan Coachman. And one thing I like to do is look at props. And Kareem Hunt's prop was 64 and a half total rushing and receiving yards. Now, Nick Chubb's was like 101 and a half. So clearly Nick Chubb ha- had a big gap there. That's why he's priced more. But I thought this was a game where Kareem Hunt potentially could find the end zone here and there and, you know, just be on the right side of touchdown variance. And uh, maybe that could be a play. So I'm taking the discount, but potentially getting the upside if Nick Chubb just can't find the end zone. So that was sort of the logic there. It didn't pan out, but still a great lineup, still obviously cashed, as you can see here. Um, I'm certainly happy with it. In retrospect, did I have to force in A.J. Brown? Probably not. I didn't even have to force in a single Eagles pass catcher if I didn't want to. I could have just paid down for Tyler Lockett and then taken Kareem Hunt and paid up for um, Nick Chubb, of course. So here we are. So that is my GPP lineup. If you have any questions about the lineups, uh, please let me know. I see some questions from the chat in here. Um, Smoke Eater 342 V is in here. Terry, I'll try to get to your, your trade questions in a second. I see a question though from Smoke Eater 342 $900 budget left. This is a redraft question, but I'll take a look at it anyway. Lost Penny for the season. He was my third running back. Throw the bank to get Walker. That, of course, is KW3, Ken Walker the third. So a couple things here. One is, this is a really good question to ask Adam Azer and Dan Schneier tonight at 8 o'clock. Not just because they're going to be on the show, the mailbag show, tonight at 8, but I'm going to be on the show as well. That's going to be really fun. I love those guys. I love being on with the, uh, you know, this is FFT DFS, but it's different, right? I love being on with the Fantasy Football Today guys. So I'm going to be on with them at eight. So everybody listening, please make sure you stay on this channel at eight o'clock because that's going to be a super, super fun show. But Smoke Eater, I'll go ahead and answer your question now. Maybe you pop in and you ask Adam and Dan uh, at eight o'clock when we go live there and see what their opinion is. You have $900 left. I would put this kind of depends on your record, I think a little bit, but I would put a majority of your budget on. Ken Walker the third. It's it's to me it's a risk you have to take because that offense you're getting the RB one who was just as talented as Rashad Penny, and could absolutely make your season for you. So I don't think it's time in week five. If it was week one or week two, I should say it would be a different analysis. But I, I think you kind of have to throw the kitchen sink at, at Ken Walker and just hope for the best. If he stays healthy, he is going to be a dominant running back for you, at least relative to any other running back that will be available on the waiver wire. So. 
I would use, you know, look at look to see how much budget your other people have in that league, you know, and so try to gauge if you're going to need to spend all of it. But I wouldn't shy away from spending somewhere close to all of it uh, on Ken Walker the third. All right, uh, Mike, hola. Okay, you're, you're very active on Twitter. I appreciate you very much. Okay, so let's get to Mike's GPP lineup before we get to the FFT DFS lineup and before we take our early look. Mike scored, uh, he, he cashed in his as well. He scored 163.30. As you can see here, he had Kyler Murray. I mean, I tried to warn him, guys. And girls, I tried to warn him. Kyler's just not that guy. He might be that guy this week because he gets Seattle at Seattle. We'll get to that game in a second. But he's not that guy. I'm sorry. I just, I, I, you know, he was on the show. He was actually my fade. I changed it. I changed my fade on the cheat sheet to somebody else that I'm, I'm not remembering. Oh, I think it was Damian Pierce who had an okay game. But I just, Kyler is just not that guy. Against Seattle, he very well could be. So we'll, we'll wait and see about that. But um, Kyler at 4.5%, I get that. So I get the game theory play and playing Kyler there if, if he happens to find the magic that we haven't seen in, oh, I don't know, about a year. Uh, Jeff Wilson obviously smashed Raheem Mostert. Super smart play there. I played Raheem Mostert a couple weeks too early. I, I had him in a GPP lineup three weeks ago. And, I, and it was the following week that the Miami Dolphins coaching staff decided to use Mostert exclusively as the RB1. So clearly I'm ahead of the curve, just too far ahead of the curve. So if Mike McDaniel wants to call me and get some, I don't know, some roster advice, uh, I am available for you. I, I, I live basically next door to you. Marquise Brown at receiver, Tyler Lockett at receiver, Khalil Shakir again, uh, Zach Ertz, AJ Brown and 49ers defense. So a lot of familiar names here. No need to go over them. Obviously the Kyler Murray, Marquise Brown stack, it wasn't terrible. Uh, it just didn't, you know, no fire emojis here. Um, certainly had the potential, though, in, in a, at a combined 15% ownership. Uh, I, I, I totally get the play. I love the Mostert play. I think it's really, uh, in, in last week, I, I wouldn't have played Mostert because I just love so many other guys. But, you know, 7% ownership, not bad. That's a little higher than I would have thought. Yeah, but this this is pretty straightforward. He double stacked uh, Kyler Murray, of course, not only with Marquise Brown, but with Zach Ertz. A.J. Brown is the run back. Obviously, if he had put in Dallas Goddard there or Devontae Smith, it would have been better. But, you know, you're kind of playing roulette with this receiver court. Dallas Goddard's probably going to get some serious consistency with a limited ceiling. But between A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, you know, it, you're just kind of rolling the dice. I, I don't think it's super smart in, in Jalen Hurts stacks to stack both of them. I think it might be smart to stack one of them with Dallas Goddard, but not both of them. And you're just going to have to make the decision as to who you want to stack. I think in pristine conditions like we see in, in a dome, like we saw in Arizona, I think it might make more sense to play Devontae Smith because those tend to be more of like the the, the track meet type environments. Uh, and then maybe, you know, in the games that there, it, there's a little bit more elements or, you know, if there's going to be more short area passing because of the wind or precipitation, maybe A.J. Brown makes a little bit more sense in those circumstances. That's really just me speculating, though, of course. Now, let's get to the FFT DFS winner. Shout out to, again, to Standard 0007, who put up 210.44 uh, to take this tournament down. Um, you know, he, he went he or she went with Tom Brady. And Fournette and Chris Godwin. So Tom Brady was one of our favorite plays. I think he was my favorite stack was Tom Brady to Mike Evans from the cheat sheet. Uh, and I love the Tom Brady play. He could have had a much bigger game. He, he had some issues with receivers getting tackled at the one yard line. And frankly, he had some issues with the Tampa offense just really stalling out in the second half. But Brady to Godwin and you have Fournette in there. I mean, the Fournette play, again, the old school rules don't really apply, right? When you have a quarterback and a pass catching running back 
go ahead and, and like obviously like Austin Eckler to Justin Herbert. Like those are those are sort of obvious moves to make. So I I like correlating Tom Brady with not just a pass catcher, but a running back pass catcher in Leonard Fournette. He had a ton of targets. Uh, he caught 10 of 11 targets last game. So even though he's seeding some work to Rashad White and some snaps to Rashad White, he's still making up for all of that in the passing game. And, you know, he certainly has touchdown equity still, and he gets a, a fair number of rushes. So I, I still like Leonard Fournette moving forward, obviously. Uh, Jeff Wilson, Tyler Lockett, Khalil Shakir, Dallas Goddard. We've gone, on, we've gone over all of these people. Interestingly... You played Cooper Cup, Tanner. So I, I think that's really interesting. No fire emoji here. He didn't really pay off his price tag, but certainly a pretty smart play given you have Cooper Cup at under 8% ownership. So really like that play. Um, really like this lineup. I don't really see any mistakes here. There was no Falcon runback, which we talked about ad nauseum on Thursday, that that particular game, do not force a run back. You're, you're not playing Olamide Zacchaeus. You know, you're not playing Drake London. Bucks are very good against wide receiver ones. And frankly, Drake London, it, it's just, there's, he was going to be the focal point with no Kyle Pitts. You know, you're not playing Tyler Algier. And for all you redraft people, I hope you listened to me last Tuesday. I, I just, and Thursday, frankly, but like, I just didn't see the upside with Tyler Algier. Some people were asking in the chat, you know, do I jam him in a DFS? And I, you know, I was like, no, this, it's not just Tyler Algier. It's Caleb Huntley and Avery Williams. And it's just a bad situation. Even if any of those guys were actually really good, it's just a bad situation in that particular game with that particular game script. So I like the no Falcons run back there. I love that you listened and played Tupac Shakur here, otherwise known as uh, Khalil Shakur. You hit him up, which was great. Not a Hail Mary play at all. Hopefully a couple of you got that reference that I just dropped. Love this lineup. So let's move on. Um, let's move on to our early look. But before we do that, um, I do want to take a break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. My name is Sian Ajad. This is The Solo Pod. If you haven't already, please hit the like button. And if you haven't already, please review this podcast. Hopefully, if you've been listening over the last few weeks, you've done really well. And evidence would show based on a lot of our lineups that that we kind of put out there on Thursday, uh, not that we put out lineups, but like suggestions on players to to roster. Uh, you, you're probably doing really well if you're listening to this podcast. Now, it's not going to be every week, but all I'm saying is it's a good time to review the podcast because we, we are really hitting on, on these game stacks and we're really hitting on some of these low end players like literally Kate Otten and Khalil Shakir were like lock button guys for me this this week. And that that allowed me to do a lot of different things, which, you know, 227 points in in one of my lineups is, is pretty good evidence of that. OK, so the main slate. One thing, you know, I, I do want to point out here because we're in October now, we got to monitor the weather. We can't just assume that the high-scoring games are going to be high-scoring, that the weather is going to be pristine and perfect because we are starting to – I live in South Florida. There, there's no winter. It's sunny every day, and it's very hot. 
but we're starting to get for the rest of the country, we're starting to get into months where wind and rain and potentially, you know, in three or four weeks, potentially snow and freezing rain and just poor conditions can present themselves. I will say, breaking news, I have looked at the weather for all of these games on Sunday, and there doesn't seem to be any weather issues to worry about at the moment. It's Tuesday. So catch us on Thursday. Maybe something will develop, but doesn't seem to be a lot of wind in any of these forecasts for Sunday for the main slate. Doesn't seem to be any precipitation whatsoever. So I think we're, we're really looking at sunny and good conditions, but I just want to put it out there. Monitor the weather from here on out. We're going to address it. Mike McClure is big on that. So that's something we are going to definitely kind of mention as we get to the colder months for the rest of you, not for me so much. 11-game slate we got. So we got a few a few teams on by. So it's only an 11-game slate. There's no London game. Uh, four teams on a bye, to, to be specific. And there's not a lot of high totals this week, which I think is really going to narrow the focus for almost everybody to like two games which could be a good or a bad thing. Uh, and, and we'll kind of get to that when we do our game-by-game preview in terms of how we want to be different. And I'll get to that a little bit today too, but how we want to be different and how we might want to super stack some of these games that, that, that you know the average player m- might not be doing. And maybe there are some low-end games, low-key games with low totals that maybe we can pivot to in some of our tournament lineups. Not, a, not all the tournament lineups, but in some of our tur- tournament lineups just to get exposure to something different than everybody else. Because remember... The low totals should not be ignored. And what I mean by that is if you see a total of like 44 versus a total of like 48 and a half or or 49, first of all, you want to look at the implied totals, which we we took a look look at last week a lot in in terms of like looking at the bills. They had the highest implied total. The bucks had the second highest implied total and so on and so forth. Um, Bills, I think, have the highest implied total this week too, by the way, spoiler alert. But there are games where the totals are low and the implied totals are a little lower, but the, the concentration share is so condensed. And, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to give you an example off the top of my head, but well, I'll, no, Seattle's a really bad example because they score a ton of points. My point is when we do our game by game preview, we're going to showcase a few games. I promise you that have low totals that are ve- have very sneaky uh, DFS potential because there's just one or two guys that are toting the rock or one or two guys that are, that are catching passes for, said team and if the concentration share is there then i'm not as worried about the lower totals that's just something to keep in mind don't necessarily ignore the lower total games with that said i wanted to showcase or i just like mention four four games that have totals of 45 points or higher i just arbitrarily picked that number frankly because there's so many low totals and there's only four games right now that have a 45 point or higher total and so i just figured they would at least be worth uh, mentioning here Minnesota at Miami, believe it or not, it's 45 and a half, uh, which is not a staggeringly high number. But again, Miami's working on their third quarterback. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is playing this week. That's just my assumption right now. We'll have to wait and see. But you would think that game would kind of fall under because of a third string quarterback and Minnesota being on the road. But I think that's an interesting game. The Jets at Green Bay, that's a 46 point total. I think there's some potential fireworks there, especially with the New York Jets running game, Brees Hall in particular, and perhaps... Again, this is not a correlation people are really interested in running back to running back, but I could absolutely see Brees Hall and Aaron Jones exploding in this game. And there are some very cost-effective wide receiver options, especially with some new injuries in that wide receiver core for Green Bay, uh, like Randall Cobb, for example, who, who's uh, we'll get to him in a second. Not that he's injured, but he's a very cheap play that had a ton of targets last week. Um, there, there are some guys like that that are at least interesting in this game if you want to perhaps skinny stack it. 
I don't think I would be uh, game stacking this one. Arizona at Seattle, that's a 51-point total. That's going to be pretty popular. Then, of course, the 425 game, the only 4 o'clock the only there's three four o'clock games. Two are at four o five, and one is at four twenty five. I always mention that because uh, for late swap purposes, because I want you all to know when the drop dead date is for late swap. It's not always at four o five because there's always some four twenty five games, so you can still engage in late swapping. That Buffalo KC game has a fifty four point total. Buffalo is favored by two and a half. They have the highest implied total, and of course Kansas City isn't super far behind, and uh, that's going to be a super popular game. So for me, like just right off the bat, I already know where all the ownership is going. It's going to Buffalo and Kansas City, and it's going to Arizona and Seattle. And I think Arizona and Seattle is going to be second place, but I think it'll be. I think you'll be surprised at how many people are on that game as a pivot off of Buffalo and Kansas City. So when we do our game by game preview again, that's going to be with Jacob Gibbs this this week, which I'm really excited about. Um, we're going to talk about some game stacks, some ways to get different, get pieces of this game that, that maybe other people aren't getting and maybe some games to pivot to. Um, I might, you know, as I see it right now, I might play a lot of that Arizona Seattle game and then just get pieces from Buffalo and Kansas city, as opposed to stacking it. It's a dangerous move with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, but something I might look at speaking of Josh Allen, let's get to quarterbacks real quick. Uh, Josh Allen is at the top of the list here. He is 8,200. And then as we go down the list, we see Lamar Jackson. These are all familiar names, right? We see Patrick Mahomes at 8,000. I honestly, as of now, I have a very condensed quarterback sort of core on a Tuesday. And, and what I mean by that is normally at this time of the week, there's like, I don't know, seven or eight that I think are like pretty good plays. Right now, there's only like five that I'm considering. And I'm I'm really talking from a tournament standpoint, although all of these are all of these guys are, are cash viable. The 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 first three quarterbacks are the three at the top. You know, that you you're paying up for quarterback these days because these guys are absolutely smashing. So Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Should be no surprise that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are going to be two of the highest rostered quarterbacks this week. No surprise whatsoever. Lamar Jackson, I think, is interesting because it'll probably be reasonably contrarian at New York because nobody really wants a piece of that Ravens giants game relative to Buffalo, Kansas city. So I think Lamar is a way to get a little bit different. And for the record, you can play him naked. And for those of you that don't know what that means and thought I just said something super weird, play him solo. You know, I could have played J I played a lot of Jalen hurts last week. I played him a lot with AJ Brown. I could have played him solo too, and probably been better off. So, you know, cause there's, there's so much indecisiveness with this pass catching core especially with we don't know if Rashad Bateman's going to get back. Devin DuVernay is probably going to be pretty good value now that I think about it, but you still don't know exactly where where they're going with the passing game. So I think you can play Lamar Jackson naked. Obviously, you could play him with Mark Andrews. If enough value opens up, Lamar to Andrews, and then having Kelsey in your flex, not, not the worst way to get different. It's super expensive, but honestly, on this slate, you can do it. And we'll, we're going to get to why you can do it in a second because there's a lot of value that's already opened up. Certainly more will open up by Thursday. The other two quarterbacks I like here, we'll go down to that 7,300 range. There we are, Kyler Murray. I have not been on Kyler Murray at all this year, period. I just haven't, except for week one, I was on him when I forgot that he just wasn't very good. But this is a really good setup for him. I mean, he he actually showed me something last week. I, I was I was a little impressed with how Arizona played as a whole, particularly defensively. But I thought Kyler looked looked pretty good with Rondale Moore kind of fully integrated into the system. I think Kyler Murray stacks are definitely in play. I like Geno Smith stacks a little bit better, but I think Kyler Murray to uh, uh, 
cheap Rondale Moore and maybe Marquise Brown or Zach Ertz. I think Rondale Moore is, is very, very much in play. They're, they're using him in a way where he's getting very easy short area targets, and he has the speed and the skill to like break one, especially against the Seattle defense. So I, I like that combo quite a bit. But going down to the 5,700 range, this is my fifth quarterback that I like. I'm just passing over all like Brady, not not interested at Pittsburgh. Stafford, Rodgers, not interested. Geno Smith at 5,700. What's not to like? He only threw 25 passes, only 25 pass attempts last week, but he was so efficient with it. 16 completions, 268 yards, and three touchdowns. And remember what I talked about, con- concentrated target shares, condensed uh, targets. It's Tyler Lockett. It's DK Metcalf, and it's sometimes somebody else like Will Disley. But it's really those two guys that he's focused on, and I don't think Arizona is going to be able to stop them. You get Geno Smith at 5,700. That is quite the discount. Uh, And frankly, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are not priced up appropriately. So I think you can double stack this game. Obviously, Ken Walker is in play too. We'll get to that in a second. I think with this game in particular, you're going to have to decide what game script you want to go with. And I think This is a game to play multiple different ways to get away from that Buffalo-Kansas City stack. So we'll talk about that more on Thursday, but very interested in Geno Smith. Um, I think you could play him in cash and in tournaments this week. Let's go to running backs. Running backs at the top. We we see a lot of guys at the top for running back that I'm not particularly interested in. Christian McCaffrey at the Rams. It's P.J. Walker season. I think that's going to help everybody, including Christian McCaffrey. I think it's going to help. Um, DJ Moore, uh, maybe even Robbie Anderson, just the Carolina as a whole. I, I think this is a really good situation for them, believe it or not, to, to go to the undrafted free agent in 2017 from Temple uh, because Baker, Baker Mayfield, I think they said he's going to be in a walking boot for, I think they said they want to be really cautious. So two to six years, I think is what they said um, because they want to be cautious. I'm joking, of course, but okay. So as we go down the list, Nick Chubb, this might be the week I end up taking off from Nick Chubb at 8,200, but I I don't mind him at all. I I think he's just been completely tearing it up. In fact, can we go to Nick Chubb's game log, Zach? Because, again, he's just destroying all of his props. Last week, his his rushing yardage prop was 90. The week before, it opened at 89. It went to 92. And he is absolutely smashing this every single time. Look at his yards per carry, for one. The, the, The last... Well, this entire season, 6.4, 5.1, 4.9, 6.2, 7.9, 134 yards rushing last week, 118 the week before that, 113 the week before that. He had a terrible game against the Jets for only 87 yards. And then, oh, by the way, at Carolina, 141 yards. I don't have a problem playing Nick Chubb. I'm trying to find value at the running back position this week, so I won't have as much Nick Chubb. And we can go back to the running back, Zach. I won't have as much Nick Chubb as I... uh, as I had last week, and I, I certainly had a ton of him last week. So I, I do like him. But as we go down, the, the Saquon Barkley at 7,700, I don't think I need to tell you why that makes a ton of sense. He is just their all-everything guy, especially with that receiver core so banged up. Love Barkley at 7,700. I do like Aaron Jones, as I mentioned, at 7,600. I don't think, think he'll have a ton of ownership, but I do think if Green Bay actually wants to win football games, they're going to have to start running the ball with Aaron Jones because he's the most talented player on the field every time the Green Bay offense takes the field. So I do like Aaron Jones, Fournette, 7,400. Don't mind that at all. They're just His utilization is amazing. Kamara's interesting at 6,700. I think he has value, but the Taysom Hill thing does make me super nervous because there's no reason for them not to go to Taysom Hill based on his efficiency last game and just in general there's no reason for them not to go to him in the red zone now he runs that read option and Kamara's often in the game when he runs the read option it's just that he keeps it and that's okay because he's scoring a touchdown now I do think Kamara's going to fall into the end zone 
and especially at home, I, I think this really could be a, a really good get right spot, at least from a touchdown standpoint. But his usage was amazing. Uh, 23 rushes. He caught six of six targets. Uh, he had over 100 plus uh, 100 yards rushing. I mean, outside of the Taysom Hill problem, I, I think we're in a spot where Kamara could have one of those games where we're looking back and we're like, darn, I, I wish I played Kamara because he had another 100 yards, but this time he had two touchdowns on top of it. So I do like Kamara. Other running backs that I'm interested in, Ramondre Stevenson. I don't think I need to tell you why, right? We know Damian Harris is injured. Ramondre Stevenson had 25 carries for 161 yards. He had over 100 yards after contact. This guy is just a complete animal at Cleveland, not very good at stopping the run. Uh, I, It's, you know, 6,000 is just tremendous value for Ramondre Stevenson. Singletary at 5,900. I'm not going to play a lot of him, but I think if you wanted to get a piece of this game that was contrarian, Listen, everybody, the secret's out. Devin Singletary does get used a lot in spite of last week not being very good for him. And he's getting used in the passing game. But I don't think people are really going to be jumping on Singletary for this, this big game stack. I think they're going to be Josh Allen. They, they saw what Gabe Davis did on, on limited targets. They're going to be back on Stefan Diggs, of course. Isaiah McKenzie, if he clears concussion protocol. Uh, if he doesn't, Khalil Shakir is certainly in play. And then on the other side, we know Kelsey, Mahomes, of course, and, and, and maybe... Marcus Valdez, Scantling, and, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But the point is, not a lot of people are going to Singletary. So if you wanted a game stack, let's say Geno Smith, for example, that Seattle-Arizona game, and just take a couple pieces, a sneaky piece to take would be the running game piece because people will be all over the path. So you'll be getting leveraged like basically two ways by getting a successful Singletary. Brees Hall, another guy that's getting a ton of work. Uh, he's sort of, you know, replaced Michael Carter as the RB1. 18 carries, 97 yards. He had two catches for 100 yards, which is pretty amazing. But the volume is there for Brees Hall. The, the, the talent is there in Green Bay. Not great against the run. Uh, they just haven't been all season. Mostert's another decent play at home against Minnesota. I do worry about him a little bit. Mostert here is 5,700 because he's been priced up now. And with a third string running back, I do think they're going to hone in on the running game. So I'll probably be off him. But Ken Walker at 5,400. I do like him, and I think you can include him in Geno Smith stacks. It's, you know, again, there's going to be different ways to play that. I think you can include him in Geno Smith stacks and include either DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett with Geno Smith. I think you can, you know, forget about Geno Smith and have a stack with one of those two receivers and Ken Walker and then stack it on the other side with Arizona with whoever you like there, like a Rondale Moore, and then just hurry over to that Kansas City game and see what you can get out of that. Ken Walker at 5,400. He will be very popular. A couple other names just to consider. Uh, Travis Etienne at 5,000. That's more of a long shot play, but he is starting to assume that RB1 role over James Robinson. And Eno Benjamin at 4,600. If we come to learn that all the, you know, we know James Conner is injured, Daryl Williams if if they're all out, I think Eno Benjamin at 4,600 is, is pretty obvious value at Seattle at a bad defense. There's a ton of value in that Seattle-Arizona uh, game, which will allow you to do a lot of things. So that's pretty much the running back room for now. We'll go into some other plays, of course, on Thursday. Wide receivers, let's race through that uh, real quick. We have Cooper Cup at the top. No big surprise there. Listen, I, I, I don't mind if you play Cooper Cup here. A, at some point... You know, Allen Robinson and Ben Skaronic and you know Tyler Higby, or it'll it'll be it'll be spread out, I suppose. But I don't know when that's going to happen. I, I think this is Cooper Cup's offense. Period. They they don't really have anybody else now against Carolina. I wonder if this. I I, I like the Rams, even though I like PJ Walker. I like the Rams a decent amount in this game. I wonder how much they lean on Cooper Cup uh, in a positive game script versus what they've had to in in the last two games. But 
Yeah, not, I don't know that I'm going to pay the 9700 but I don't mind it. I also don't mind Jefferson at 8900 But again, even though the back end of Miami can get exposed very easily, it's a, it's a bad pass defense at this point, mostly because of injury. I, I still don't know that I'm going to get there on the road with Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. So I'm still kind of digging for value. Speaking of, Stephon Diggs, 8400 at Kansas City. I'm sure he's going to be a popular play. He should be against Kansas City's defense. Totally get that. But I'm starting to find value as I go lower. 7,200, Marquise Brown. Now, he's a guy that is going to get a lot of targets. I mentioned Rondell Moore. I do like Marquise Brown in this game. I like If I'm going to play Kyler Murray, I'm probably pairing him with two receivers, and it's probably Marquise Brown and Rondell Moore. Maybe, I mean, you can, you can mix Zach Roots in there if you want, depending on how you're constructing your lineup. But if I expect Kyler Murray to go off, I expect him to do it with at least two pass catchers. And I, and I could absolutely see Rondale Moore and Marquise Brown both getting behind this defense or, frankly, running past this defense because they both certainly have the speed to do so. So I do like um, Marquise Brown a little bit. As we go down, DK Metcalf, listen, I, I, I don't have a problem with Geno Smith to DK to Tyler Lockett um, as, as three in a game stack. I, these guys, Zona can't cover these guys. That it's just not going to happen. I, I, their pass defense looks pretty good, but they cannot hang with these guys. And Geno Smith has been so efficient. If Arizona can actually capture a lead and force Geno to throw a little bit more than he did last week, I think DK and Tyler could have even more impressive games than they did last week. Uh, Godwin at 6,100 at Pittsburgh. Not in love with this game, but I do like the value of Godwin at 6,100. Uh, he obviously makes a lot of sense against Pittsburgh's pass defense. I worry about this offensive line. I worry about Brady. I worry that Godwin and Evans aren't getting quite as many targets as we expect them to get. Like if we actually click on Godwin's game log, Zach, let's do that real quick before we um, check out a few more receivers. I like, you know, the, the targets against Atlanta, you know, six for six, it's not bad. 61 yards. I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I guess I wanted a little bit more there from Chris Godwin, but you know, 10 yards or a reception. It, it's okay. It's okay. I just, I, I think I wanted more both out of uh, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Uh, but can he get it against Pittsburgh? He certainly can. I still like the value, but the value I like more, of course, is Tyler Lockett at fifty six hundred. He's fifty six hundred again. This is the second. This is the second week in a row that he's fifty six hundred, and and DK Metcalf is sixty eight hundred. Is that right? Yeah, they didn't change their price at all, which is staggering to me. I'm playing them both. Period. End of story. I'm playing them both. Uh, DJ Moore at 5,100. I think he's kind of sneaky, but I don't think I'm going to get there with him. I think that's like a, you play DJ Moore in like a, like a, like a single bullet in like a huge contest that you're not maxing out. Like I think that that's where you might play DJ Moore and take his value at 5,100. Isaiah McKenzie, I want to bring up at 5,000 because we don't know if he's playing this week. I suspect he will. And at 5,000, he's a pretty great piece to kind of throw into your lineup because that'll probably bump Khalil Shakir down, of course, because they play the same position. And Isaiah McKenzie can assume that role. And I think it's safe to assume he's going to get six to eight targets. And it's just a matter of what he does with them against Kansas City, which frankly could be quite a bit. Side note, the line in that game is the Bills minus two and a half at Kansas City. Take the Bills. That Like I, I need a long pause there because I want you to understand what I said. I am, listen, I, I, I do give out betting advice. So like, you know, but I don't want you to put all your money on on the bills necessarily. But if there was a play that I looked at, you know, I, I always look at the lines early in the week. I think the bills are way better than the Kansas City Chiefs, period. End of story. I think the Chiefs could have lost yesterday to the Raiders. They lost to the Colts the week before that. They probably should have lost to the Chargers if Gerald Everett had a little bit more stamina and cardio. The, he probably would he would have finished that route and 
you know, the Chargers go up seven late. You know, it's a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda, but I just think the Bills are are just so motivated in this game, and they're just fr- they're just flat out better. All right, real quick, let's go to some low end options under five k. Dobbs is interesting to me um, against the Jets. I don't think I'll get there. Marcus Valdez Scantling, he had plenty of targets uh, last night. I think Marcus Valdez Scantling is that sort of second receiver behind Travis Kelsey to be rostering. And at forty five hundred, and frankly, his game could have even been bigger than it was yesterday. At forty five hundred, it it is a little hit or miss, but I like the value there in that type of game script and that type of game environment. Randall Cobb, I mentioned at forty four hundred, don't mind him. Alec Pierce has really emerged as sort of the, I don't know, the 1B to Michael Pittman's 1A, if you want to put it like that, or the the 1A to Michael Pittman's 1. Uh, he's 4,300 at home against Jacksonville. Could be a good right spot for Indianapolis. Jacksonville ain't that team, folks. I know after two or three weeks, we like to make our impressions as to who's good and who's not. Uh, Jacksonville's not, just FYI, in case that wasn't obvious to you already. Um, again, Alec Pierce, 4,300, kind of like it. Uh, you'd have to really want to be interested in that game, I think. I, I think if I'm going to play him, I'm going to pull multiple pieces out of that game. And then I mentioned Rondell Moore at 4,200. Caught seven of eight targets last week for 68 yards. Love him. Before we get out of here, let's touch on the tight ends. Um, Travis Kelsey at the top. I can tell you right now, Mike's not going to be here Thursday. Jacob Gibbs is going to be here Thursday. But Mike McClure likes Travis Kelsey. And and all of you should, too. He's he's He's... He's just in line, especially with the lineup of tight ends that we have. I think he is like the obvious play, but can you pay up 7,800 the way you're going to construct your lineup? You know, that remains to be seen, but I would try to get Kelsey into your lineup. He's the only reliable option in this explosive Kansas City uh, offense. Other tight ends I like, Zach Ertz at 4,900, Tyler Higby at 4,600. These guys have just been target monsters. There's other tight ends that I'll certainly consider, and, and we'll talk about it on Thursday, but those are definitely my three favorite. We're not going to get into defenses today. I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't see a lot of low-end defenses like I normally do that I really want to play. But on Thursday, I'll have some for you. But honestly, for now, I think that's it for the early look. That's our early look to week six. It's our it's our recap. Join us at 5 o'clock live on Thursday. It's going to be me and Jacob Gibbs. Uh, Mike McClure will be back the following week to do our game-by-game preview, of course. But I'm really looking forward to this slate. Uh, I was pretty confident going into last week's slate, and it worked out really well for me. Uh, I'm, you know, I made a considerable amount of money. It should have been way more if I just had that cash lineup in a couple of tournaments. But you know, uh, it was a good lineup nonetheless. I'm really liking this this week as well. Uh, I, there's a there's definitely a few stacks I'm honing in on. Some of them will be popular, but I think there's going to be certain constructions that I'm really interested in that might be different than the constructions that that everybody else is going to have. So I, I encourage everybody to tune in on Thursday for that, for our game-by-game preview. Again, that's 5 o'clock. And tune in tonight at 8 o'clock. It's going to be me uh, playing, playing guest with Adam Azer and Dan Schneier, their mailbag episode. It's 8 o'clock on this very channel. Um, it's going to be super fun. We're obviously going to be talking about redraft uh, like they always do, not DFS. So I'll get a chance to sort of um, stretch my legs from a redraft standpoint. And I'm sorry I didn't get to the chat today. I see everybody in here, a lot of redraft questions and uh, a lot of hellos. Everybody that that jumped in here, hopefully you had already hit the like button, but please go review the podcast. Very easy to do. If you're if you're watching on Apple, you literally just click on the on the show and you scroll down and you hit five stars. You can hit up, you can make a couple comments too if, if you want. But uh, we appreciate you being in here. I appreciate you uh, watching the show. 
And I appreciate everybody listening to the show, listening to the podcast on Apple or Spotify or Stitcher. But for now, this is the Solo Pod. My name is Sia Najad. This is Fantasy Football Today DFS, and we will see you on Thursday at 5 o'clock. Until then.